I added one more podcast to the giant podcast bin. Now you have plucked that podcast out and started listening. I took my microphone and found some human folk. Then I recorded all the noises while we spoke. My name is Adam Buxton. I'm a man. I want you to enjoy this. That's the plan. Hey. How are you doing, podcats? Adam Buxton here. If you're listening to this on Christmas Day 2021, just a few hours after I snuck down your podcast chimney and plopped this in your aural stocking, then Merry Christmas to you. I hope you're well wherever and whenever you are. I'm recording this on Christmas Eve 2021. And as you can hear, I am walking up a farm track in Norfolk. Can you hear that Norfolk crunch under my boot? Up ahead is my best dog friend and one of my best friends, full stop, Rosie. How are you doing, Rose? It's a bit muddy. It's not very festive. No, agreed. But still, could be a lot worse. Yeah, whatever. It was nice this morning when we woke up, but now it's gone uh, a bit grey and non-clement. A couple of days ago, we had a very Christmassy hoarfrost, H-O-A-R, in case you wanted me to clarify. And that is one of the most beautiful types of weather, in my opinion. You come out, everything is under a thick crystal frosting and usually accompanied by very blue sky, bright sun. It is very magical. Hey, listen, I won't wang on too much because we have got Christmas waffles with Jay Corn, Torpedo Commander, Cornballs, Joe Cornish, coming up momentarily. But just before that, quick shout out to St. Mungo's, the homeless charity, in the hope that If you're able to or feel inclined to, you might be able to donate to support their efforts. Each night, St. Mungo's outreach teams go out to meet people in the South and Southwest who are homeless and, where possible, offer them a bed, support and the option to get off the streets. St. Mungo's are one of the few charities that accept pets in their hostels. What do you think of that, Rosie? It's good. They're also working to help prevent homelessness and to support those who want to make the journey out of a life on the streets. If you're able to make a donation to the St. Mungo's Winter Appeal this year, that would be a huge help with all their ongoing efforts to support people who find themselves with nowhere to live. There's a link in the description of the podcast which will take you straight to the donation page. You can also read more about what St. Mungo's do once you're there. Hey, thanks very much. Now, Christmas podcast. This conversation with Joe was recorded via Zoom earlier this month when we realised the Omicron situation was becoming a tediously inescapable thing. When I spoke to him, Joe had recently completed filming episodes of the eight-part Netflix series Lockwood & Co., based on Jonathan Stroud's book of the same name, about teenage supernatural detectives... Jay Korn is the lead writer and director on the series. 
as per tradition, we gave each other some gifts. In pandemic times, those have been audio gifts. And we talked about some of the films we enjoyed this year. Read out a few of the eggcorns. Look at these guys, Rosie. Look at those arrogant ducks. Off they go. They're quite beautiful though, aren't they? The Egyptians. I think it's the Egyptians. What was I saying? Oh yes, eggcorns and made up jokes. Those were the main messages that we got. Thank you so much for all the messages you sent in. I always feel bad that we're only able to read out a tiny fraction of them, but we read and listened to everything you sent us, both me and Joe. And it was really fun, actually, and very good to hear from you. Thank you all for taking the time to message us. What else? Looking at my phone notes. Oh, yeah. Please be aware if you're listening with young children or are sensitive yourself, I've written. This podcast contains some low-level Christmassy bad language, low-level humour, and references that some people might consider gross. If you can believe that. Can you believe that, Rose? Yes, I can. All right. Back at the end for a very brief goodbye from 2021 but right now with the films maker and dream capturer joseph cornballs cornish here we go hey you what the heck you think you're doing chum sitting and waiting for the end times to come when there's a christmas podcast about to start Adam and Joe are here to block out your fears With semi-festive waffles you can stuff inside your ears Your worries will be banished, your cockles will be heated Your comfort muscles exercised when jingles are repeated Due to the pandemic they're recording this remotely But it won't stop the combo being spicy as Chipotle They'll read out things you sent them in ways that are protracted And pump out clouds of ramble gas to keep you all distracted Chipotle I don't think I've ever said that word or heard that word said out loud before. (laughs) And I think I always thought it was chipotle. Chipotle. Of course you would. Why wouldn't you? Because why wouldn't you? It's one of those words that I don't really even bother reading. Do you know what I mean? Have you ever eaten it? Because when do you ever use it? No. I walk past them in America. They're huge, man. That's a huge chain. And now I think you get them in the UK now. It's a little bit like Nando's, I think. Mm. Never been in one. And I've never bothered reading the name of the store to the very end. (laughs) <laughs> I just sort of skip over the last three or four letters and just, I assumed it was chipotle. So you think it's like a chip shaped like a bottle or... Yeah. yeah. Chips in a bottle. Chips Chip in a bottle. bottle. Hey man, thank, that's all, you've already given me a gift. A gift of knowledge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chipotle is a smoked, dried jalapeno pepper mm. that gives its name to the restaurant You're reading chain. that off the internet? No, it's stored in my head. Anyway, hey, listen, man, happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas to the listeners as well. Yes, happy Christmas. When you're writing Christmas cards, do you write the word Christmas or do you go for something a little more generic and secular? No, it's Christmas and it's never Xmas. I think that's vulgar. It's always the full word, Christmas. Yeah. My dad used to get yeah. very upset about Xmas because he mm. he felt that uh, he didn't want to see a Jesus getting written out of the whole situation. Well, plus an X is a sign of danger, isn't it? Like triple X, X certificate. You don't want that sort of thing straying into the, the, the Wonderland season, do you? You've got one in your name. Yeah, that's little, right. Little drop of filth. <laughs> little speck of smart. You don't want smarty Christmas. No, you don't. We've got Christmas names, Joe. Ooh, 
And these were sent in to us by Jonathan Hall. Mm. And he has called me AstraZeneca. Yes. And he's called you Jomicron. Yeah, I thought it might be something like that. Yeah. Because I could be Omnicornish. How do you feel about being Jomicron? Well, I feel powerful. I feel like I'm sweeping the nation and doubling in size every 24 hours. I'm very successful, very contagious, very dominant. You communicate very easily with people. I do, yeah, I latch on. Yeah. I latch on to everybody, especially the vulnerable. (laughs) (laughs) It's not very tasteful, this line of uh, humour. But no, those are good names. Thanks. Now, because you've said it's not very tasteful, I feel obliged to say I wasn't laughing at the idea of latching on to vulnerable people. No. Well, thanks, Jonathan, for those names. How are things pandemic-wise with you? You still haven't had COVID, have you? Well, I think I might have had it at the very beginning of the whole thing. COVID classic. Yeah, because classic COVID. Because I lost my uh, taste and smell for a little bit. But they came back. And since then, nothing. No. Man, I still haven't got my taste and smell back. Really? Yeah. But I've been on set. I've been shooting uh, a thing for Netflix. Mm. And the protocols are very stringent. You get tested every couple of days and everything's divided into zones and you have to wear a mask all the time and everything's wiped down. So I'm in an environment where um, everything is very tightly controlled or I'm at home. So, you know, I think I've got it relatively contained. Famous last words. So you've had no outbreaks on your Netflix set? Uh, No, no outbreaks, because as soon as you test positive, you um, isolate. You're out. So it was tough at the beginning. You know, whole departments go down. If a critical person, say, in the makeup department gets pinged, then suddenly, you know, uh, you're in trouble. And we had to delay it a couple of times, and that throws the schedule out of whack. Locations and all sorts of things. So it's quite tough, but it's also very safe. Or as safe as can be. Yeah. And is that all done and dusted now, your Netflix show? My episodes are, Mm -hmm. but not all of them. And that starts streaming next year, right? Next year at some point, yeah. Good one. It's very exciting. You seem very excited. I'm very excited. I won't be watching. (laughs) (laughs) Why not? It's not up my street. How do you know what street it's up? Well, it's got magic and uh, lasers and wizards, right? No, it's got none of those things. Uh, has it got special powers? Yeah, it sort of sort of does. If anyone's got any special powers, I'm out. Really? Yeah, I've had I've had it up to here with special powers. Oh, yeah, I know what you mean. Can't deal with it anymore. Like maybe some people like special power things during a pandemic, but I'm the opposite because I feel weakened. And I feel envious of those with special powers. So I don't want to go and see a bunch of kids with special powers. If anything, I want to go to the movies and see just old people hobbling around doing worse than I am. Mm. And the other day, well, I've had a cold recently. I'm getting over a cold. This is after getting COVID Mm. in September. And then I got a cold, super cold, pretty sure. Only just getting over that now. And as I was beginning to get over it, got the booster jab. Mm. Have you had the, the booster jab? Sure, yeah. Which one did you get? Don't know. You don't know? I didn't. She told me I've forgotten, though. I just get in there, get out, get on with it, just crack on with it. 
Whoa, you're like a superhero. You're so, you're, you are susceptible to illness, though. You always have. Here been. we go. Here it's we true. go. You're vulnerable. You're quite susceptible to colds. Yeah, maybe. I think no, no disrespect, but I would say from my life experience and knowing you, you you're quite. Um, you often get a little bit ill in the sick in the head. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. I I do. I am vulnerable. Um, my immune system doesn't seem to be the best, which is. I don't. You, you don't get seriously ill, but you get into sort of sort of things that you can't sort of sort of um, sort of head gr- head grumps. Now you're just making a comment about my <laughs> psychological disposition. You got you got very ill in um, the time we went to Spain. Yeah, maybe it's because you sort of lock yourself earache. off, and it's hot. Yeah, you got a bad ear infection. I got a very bad ear infection. I don't know. Listen, when your friends get ill, you don't tend. One doesn't tend to um, care monitor their progress that closely. <laughs> so to me, it just seems like you vanish. Yeah. But listen, you're feeling good at the moment. Feeling good. And uh, did you get any? Did you even get any side effects from the booster jab? Felt bad. Uh, felt you know just a bit jet laggy. Yeah. A bit sort of toxic for about uh, for a couple of days. Jet laggy is a good description of yeah. it. Yeah. And how about? Did you have to sit in the holding area for fifteen minutes after you I got did, the injection? Yes. Mm. And did you enjoy that? Did anyone fall off their seats around you or anything? No. I forget what I was watching something on my phone. Oh, I tell you, I was watching the Beatles. I was mid Beatles. Beatles. So I watched a little bit of Beatles, which is very good. And I've got these new um, uh, Apple earbuds, right? Uh-huh. And I didn't know, but they've got spatial sound on them. I didn't even know they had it. But so if you're listening to a, sh- a show like that, the the Peter Jackson get back Beatles thing, and you turn your head to the left, and everybody s- sort of swings to the right. You know, and you turn your head to the right and everybody swings to the left. So it literally sounds like you're in the room with them. What? It's very odd, very disconcerting. And I thought for a moment that everyone in the waiting room in St. Thomas's could hear my phone because it sounded so, you know, in the space. Very odd. Or you thought that you were surrounded by Beatles. Yes. Beatles. Wow. So that got me through the 15 minutes, made it very pleasurable. Yeah. That's about 0.05 of the length of the entire documentary, though, isn't it? Yeah. So maybe the Beatles distracted you from thinking about the thing. That's what I thought about when I was in the holding area. I thought about that scene when MacReady uh, wants to find out who's infected by running the blood test and heating up the wire with the uh, flamethrowers and then Mm. dipping it into Petri dishes with blood while the test subjects are tied to chairs. Yeah. Oh, I see, because you're waiting waiting for someone to freak out and have a really strong uh, visceral reaction. Yeah, exactly. I was waiting for someone to, like, someone's head to split apart and a big, long tentacle comes (laughs) out and goes on the roof and... Any joy? (laughs) Mine mine felt as if it was going to pop off and crawl out of the community centre, but... It didn't. It was fine. It's a good movie, that movie. I watched it again quite recently. Yeah, it never gets rubbish, does it? I mean, it still stands up very well. I have a problem at the very beginning. Why? What's that? When when he's playing computer chess. I've got two computer-based problems with the film that mm. always throw me out of it. He he loses at computer chess at the beginning, right? The very first introduction to Kurt Russell's 
right? Yeah. Do you remember? Sort of, yeah. And he throws his whiskey into the computer. Oh, yes. And breaks the... And I always think, that is an over-the-top reaction. That's a computer. Think of all the other games. Think of how useful it could be. That seems to me like that doesn't make him a massively... Uh, um, you know, sympathetic character to me. I think you're a bit of a you're a bit of a cock. Yeah, that's not what you want from a leader, is it? To sabotage a very important piece of equipment no, just because you lost no, a over, chess game over frustration at computer chess. And then later, they they have a computer which is sort of monitoring the progress of the um, the virus, the thing, right? Yes, and it looks a bit like Pac Man, doesn't it? Yeah, and it goes percentage of people in camp infected by alien likelihood of it and it sort of presents the information in a way that no computer program ever would mm. or ever did you know entirely for the convenience of the characters but th- this is picking at you know uh picking at hairs straws <laughs> what do you pick at uh nits but this is picking at nits this is nitpicking because it's otherwise pretty flawless oh it's beautiful i so love the bits that are it. a tiny bit wonky stand out more than than they might in a in a in an inferior film. I found out recently that, you know, early on, there's a Swedish guy who gets out of a helicopter and he's chasing the the wolf who's approaching mm. the camp. That is Alsatian or wolf? it's just a dog. It's just a dog. Yeah. And he's chasing the dog that's approaching the camp and he's shouting something and they don't know what he's saying and he's freaking out. And I found out that basically he's doing a spoiler. If you could speak Swedish then you would hear that he is basically explaining that the dog is an alien. It's not a real dog. It's pretending to be a dog, he's saying, or something like is that. Is that true? So everyone who saw that film in Sweden, what, that was ruined for them in the first couple yeah, of minutes? Yeah, they all walked out. Everyone, like, if you meet someone Swedish and you start going on about how great the thing is, they, they, they'll just say, I didn't think it was that great, actually. Maybe that's where they held the premiere. I think they did hold the premiere in Sweden. That's one of the reasons it flopped, because the initial word of mouth was so negative in the Swedish press. That's where they road test pretty much every big movie, though, Mm, isn't it? mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Swedish numbers are bad. We're pulling the plug. So listen, I made you a song, and this is, I suppose you could call it my first gift. I I thought I would... uh, keep the christmas tradition on the podcast of struggling badly with my christmas gifts for you and this year is no exception i'm excited okay so here is my um christmas song for you about my cold and it's sort of written from the point of view of someone talking to their partner while they're Mm. ill and uh it is you know what i'm gonna say when it's finished no that was really infectious nice where is it though? I haven't copied it across. Sorry, hang on. Sorry, man. Give me one second. Can you hear this tune? Yeah, on your teeth. Yeah. Can you recognise the tune? Is it Whistle While You Work? No. Merry Melodies. Yeah. That's pretty good. That's amazing. I've really got to work on this. This could be another source of income. I've never heard you do that before. Can that be true? 
It's very good. Thanks, man. I mean, you could go on Britain's Got Talent with that shit. <laughs> <laughs> what about popcorn? Uh, I was trying to remember how that goes. How's that? I'm just trying to get. I'm just practicing getting that that thumbnail really uh, moving from the top. It's very teeth fast. Teeth to the bottom, teeth fast enough. Yeah, man. Sometimes it slides off, and honestly, everyone in the Royal Albert Hall goes. Ugh. <laughs> Bradley <laughs> Walsh, tooth musician, Blanches, Anton Deck. <laughs> I paid four hundred pounds for this ticket. Turn away in shame. All right, here we go. I have found the file. This is called Lil Cold. I could hardly believe it's happening. Mm. Uh, I got a really bad cold. But it's not COVID, I had that already. Yes, I know you can get it again. But I tested, it's not what I got. I got regular snot. It's not in my mind. Don't call it man flu. That's not what I do. When you got a nasty cold, I'm so sympathetic. I'll make you cups of tea. Have you done that for me? Okay, yes you have, and I ain't dissing you, but the thing that you're missing is when I get a really bad cold, I always feel like it is a rehearsal for the day something much worse will come. Oh, pour me, pour me another night, nurse. <laughs> I want my bitches to break out the tissues, to fly and fly. Oh no. I prefer for ply. <laughs> now my shirt is all covered in tissue debris. <laughs> and I've overdone it on the vitamin C. Did you ever get that? You have too much vitamin C and it opens up the sluices. I like re- rehearsal, something worse will come. That's very good. Thanks very much. That's very good. What what sort of music have you been listening to to inspire you to give the song that sort of feel? Uh, I been listening to Little Nas X. No, it's another Lil. Why are they all called Lil? The Modern Rap Fellowship. Well, they're all called Lillian. There was a big um, <laughs> fashion in America around around 50, you know twenty years ago to call your son Lillian. Yeah. <laughs> Been, I was what, listening to li, li, Little Uzi Vert, little um, like quite a lot of the new Kanye stuff is sounds a bit Lillian like Uzi Vert. No, it was I was listening to a Spotify playlist top tracks of 2021, and it was Lil TJ. Oh yeah, sure, Little TJ, and um, Little TJ Hooker, Lil TJ and Slack, mm-hmm. calling my phone. So I was listening to that, and I thought, oh yeah, this is quite good. He sounded a little bit like he had a cold himself, Lil TJ, yes. Lillian it does TJ. Suit, yeah, it suits the, the nasal vocal style that autotune gives you. Yeah, exactly. They take all the bottom end out of the vocal, right? And say, mm. it's all, it's like everything's at the top. Yeah, as does a nasal infection. Exactly. Exactly. Considering how many podcasts there are out there, and the fact that yours is the 49th. No, 49th? 49th. No, 49th? 49th, 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 49th most popular in the UK. 49th, 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 49
Shall we read out a couple of messages at this point? Okay. Now, by quite some distance, the most popular category of messages we got this year was eggcorns. Well, I think eggcorns are the gift that keeps on giving. You know, we introduced it, what, maybe midway through our run on, on Six Music? And people are crazy for them. They can't stop uh, saying them, they can't stop hearing them, and they can't stop sending them. Right. So, for those unfamiliar with the concept of egg corns, quick recap. We didn't create these, obviously. This was a term coined by someone else for a phrase or a word even that's been slightly mangled, maybe misheard and changed a little bit. But the changed version still contains a kind of internal logic. It makes sense somehow in a wrong way. And here to kick us off is a kind of basket of egg corns from Kieran Neubauer Patel. Here we go. Hope you're both well. I've collected a few egg corns from my now six-year-old twins, Alice and Rosie. I've been sitting on a couple of these and adding them... Not the girls. I, I think he's been sitting on the egg corns. I've been sitting on a couple of these and adding to them for two or three years. Most are from when they were three or four. Here we go. Uh, instead of saying ballerina, they say balancerina. That makes sense, right? That does make sense. But a ballet is a lot about balance. Yeah. Uh, they call a trampoline a jumpoline. Yeah. Well, that's good for tramps. Um, instead of saying sprinkler, they say spring cooler. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, man. That, you know, conjures images of them in lovely summer dresses. Uh, jumping through backlit sparkly sprinkler drops. Exactly, in slow motion. In the spring. Instead of saying pencil sharpener, the girls say pencil sharkener. And then he mm. says in brackets, we've been discussing sharks and their sharp-toothed bitiness for some years. Obviously, they'd be capable of sharpening pencils. It does make, uh, it does make sense because a pencil sharpener makes a, a pencil look a bit more like a shark... And certainly if, for instance, you're in the film Jaws and you had to fight off the shark in Jaws, one of the things they could have pulled out the bag in the closing five minutes of that film is a giant pencil sharpener. Attached it to the back of the orca, put some sort of carrion inside it, had Bruce the shark plunge his nose into the pencil sharpener. Oh. Don't know how you'd rotate the shark. Maybe just by thrashing his massive tail, he would have rotated himself. And then you would have... Almost like in a delicatessen, you would have sliced off a very, very um, succulent little, you know, uh, sheet of... Um, shark shavings. Shark shavings <laughs> that you could have had a nice tin dish ready for. You could have had a, the final shot could have been Chief Brody sitting on the uh, mast of the sinking orca, just eating some delicious raw shark sushi. <laughs> that would have been a bit sick, in a way. I mean, they could have done that anyway, because there was bits of the shark all over the place. <laughs> But no one was getting why would out. That, why, why, in what possible world would sh would plunging the nose of a giant shark into a huge 
pencil sharpener be sick? <laughs> <laughs> In what twisted imagination would is there anything sick about that? No. Well, thanks very much, Kieran, and Merry Christmas to you and Alice and Rosie. Merry Christmas. Now, have you got any egg corn balls? This is from Jimmy Wisbit. Here we go. When he was around two years old, my son Milo heard the song from The Wizard of Oz. However, his tiny Play-Doh-filled ears misheard the lyrics, and he instead marched around the house singing, We often see the wizard, the wonderful (laughs) Wizard of Oz. This would have been around the same age that he told a checkout lady in Tesco, My daddy has a winky. (laughs) <laughs> wishing you and your families a wonderful Christmas. I love you, bye. That's good, isn't it? We often see the wizard, the wonderful wizard of Oz. It changes the whole dynamic of the film. Because he's, he's just around. You don't have to walk down the yellow brick road or get over the obstacles that the witch throws in your path. He's around. We often see him. Yeah. Do you think, though, that the wizard they're seeing around is the big green head wizard? Or is it mm. the actual wizard? Well, behind the curtain. Mm, that's true because it would be more terrifying if it was the big projected wizard head and they'd be less likely to sing yeah. an upbeat song about it. So I think it's a more it's more like, you know, compare the British monarchy to the Swedish monarchy. You know, they see them just you see them around on bicycles shopping a bit more often. Mhm. You know, it's the normal wizard. It's the it's the it's the real wizard. Yeah, He's yeah, been yeah. exposed. He's got used to it. He's made a public apology. He's appeared on Oprah, and he's now just hanging out. That's nice. That's good, though, isn't it? Well done, Jimmy Wisbit, and your son, Milo. All right, here's one that's a little bit on the gross side. If you'd like to skip it, just fast-forward three minutes. This is from Jennifer Dutton, and she says, Hello, Adam and Joe. Whilst chit-chatting with my beautician at a recent appointment, she was telling me how she had hoped to wake early that morning to do some exercise. She hadn't managed to do so, however, as she was so comfortable in bed and, quotes, curled up like a feces. Ooh. I had to to stifle my laughter for two hours. Luckily, I was wearing a face mask. She made no attempt to correct herself, which made it all the more amusing. Love you. Bye, Jane, age 29 from Surrey. Now, I was thinking, how would she correct herself? What was she aiming for? Because of the clash between the singular... Well, like a fetus. But there's also a clash between the singular and plural, isn't it? Like a, a feces... Yeah, I was less worried about the clash between the singular and the plural. Well, no, I'm worried about that, because what's the correct way of saying that? I was curled up like... Like feces. A, fe- a feces. Like, like a feces. What's the singular of feces? A face. <laughs> um, Fecal. A feces. A shite. A feces. There's all sorts of problems with a that. A tod. But you think that the right phrase is curled up like a fetus? Well, surely that's what she was thinking okay i don't think that is the right it's not a commonly used phrase oh i was curled up like a fetus but they are curled up and yeah that's true cozy and uh yeah what else could it be i mean it struck me as being kind of perfect the way it was even though it's revolting it's the fetal position people know that phrase from first aid don't they right right put right. them in the fetal position <laughs> right so she regards it as the most comfortable cozy position it also happens to be the shape of a curly tod. Mm-hmm. And curly tods are also very comfortable and warm. That's one of my favourite childhood movies. <laughs> curly Todd. Yeah. With Jim Belushi. <laughs> it's about a cheeky girl who kills people and turns them into pies. Ooh. It's like Sweeney Todd and Curly Sue. 
Okay, shall I give you a prezi? Yes, please. So, Adam, please answer the following question with the answer. I don't know. I haven't really thought about it. But now that you ask, I realise it's a really interesting and clever question. Okay? Okay. Who is your favourite automated checkout lady voice? I don't know. I haven't really thought about it. But now that you ask, it's a really interesting (laughs) and clever question. Thank you. Do you go shopping? Do you do your household shopping? Yeah, sometimes. And where do you go? Wherever's open. Morrison's, quite like. And what sort of a checkout do you use? Uh, I'll go for whatever's freest. If a person's available, I'll go Mm. for the person. I love people. Yeah, it's unusual though, isn't it? There are fewer and fewer people, right? Yeah. More and more machines, more rows of machines. Sometimes it is convenient to do the self-checkout, and I certainly don't mind doing that. I enjoy it, if I'm going to be honest. The self-checkout. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. It gets better and better and easier and easier. And I'm less intimidated by random items like veg and things like that, which in the past would have just put too much of a spanner in the works, looking it up Mm, and all that. mm, mm. Um, And do you have a favorite uh, automated checkout voice? I mean, let's face it, they're mostly ladies Mm -hmm. for some reason. There's the Sainsbury's woman. I quite like her. Should we just have a listen to her? Sure. Here she is. Please place the item in the packing area. If you have a Nectar card, please scan it now. Please follow the instructions on the pin pad. Please enter your pin. Would you like a receipt? Thank you. Goodbye. So she's nice, isn't she? She's she's very upbeat. Yeah. Perky, cheerful and polite, innocent. She's nervous about the receipt. She is. Her voice changes when she talks about the receipt. Listen hear her again please enter your pin would you like a receipt i mean i think she might have had a bad experience with a customer and a receipt in the past no i don't want a receipt what are you implying it's sad isn't it because otherwise she's so happy-go-lucky maybe she's trying to discourage you from getting a receipt because that is extra wasted paper we don't want to draw on the world's already limited resources any more than we have to you don't really need a receipt. Maybe you do for your for your um, accountant. But she's trying to discourage you. Would you like a receipt? So she doesn't want to make you feel too bad. Like, it's an option. You can have one if you want. But mm. it would be best if you didn't. What about that? She's anxious about the environment. Yeah. And trees. Yeah. I think she's... I mean, from, the, from her voice, I'd say she's had a sheltered upbringing. Mm-hmm. I think she maybe rides an old-fashioned bicycle with a wicker basket attached to the handlebars. Right, and wears and, a and dress with flowers on it. Yeah. And you might notice she refers <laughs> you might notice she refers to the payment device as a pin pad. Yeah, which which as we proceed through this review of um automated tool voices, you'll notice is uh is quite telling. So what about um what about uh this one? This is the co-op. What do you think of this one? Please scan an item or touch the screen to start. Please put the item in the bag. Please follow the instructions on the chip and pin device. Payment accepted. Press for a receipt. Please take your shopping. Thank you for shopping at the (laughs) co-op. So she's huskier. She's got a big old smile on her. But uh, I think that voice is of someone who's quite a heavy smoker and drinker. (laughs) 
<laughs> very confident. That's a lot of assumptions. Yeah, I'm making a lot of assumptions. Okay. Make the assumption that I'm making. I'm going to be making a lot of assumptions. I assumed you would. I think she's proud of what she does, especially the ethical elements of uh, the co-op. Mm-hmm. And I think she's travelled widely and experimented with alternative lifestyles. <laughs> I think she's got. I think she's got tattoos. She refers to the payment device as a chip and pin device, yeah. rather than a pin pad. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Who's your favourite so far? I do like. Uh, where was that? Co-op. That was the co-op. Previous was Sainsbury's. I do like the co-op woman there. Can you play that again? Of course. Please follow the instructions on the chip and pin device. Payment accepted. Press for a receipt. Please take your shopping. Thank you for shopping at the co-op. She has got a massive great smile in her voice. And it just turns into a beaming grin when she goes, Payment accepted. Oh, payment accepted. Payment accepted. She loves her job. What about Waitrose? Mm. Please scan an item or press finish and pay. Please follow the instructions on the card reader. Thank you for shopping at Waitrose and Partners. I don't know, man. I think she's being held against her will. <laughs> I think she's could be trapped inside the machine. Mm-hmm. I think she's, she's, she's sort of more stern. Went to a strict boarding school. I think she's angry. She's angry. Please follow the instructions on the card reader. Thank you for shopping at Waitrose and Partners. I mean, they're not all female voices. I did find there's a new um, there's a new supermarket chain that's open near me called what is it called? I think it's called Gavin's. Here, listen to this. All right, welcome to Gavin's. Get on with it. Come on, scan some shit. I'm waiting. Oh, stick it on the metal thing on the right. On the metal thing on the right. Get on with it. <laughs> Come on, kiss the dosh. Tap your plastic on the tappy tappy ding dong. Take your crap and sod off. Have you got a Gavin's near you? In Zeg- only Gavin's in Norwich? I think there's a Gavin's uh, near Anglia Square. Mm. But there's not one out here where we are. I don't know if they use the expression tappy tappy ding dong. <laughs> Is that a South London thing? I don't. I really don't know anything about it. I just went in and, uh, <laughs> and, that's, and I was recording these things for this segment, and that's what yeah. I recorded. I mean, I can make some assumptions, like I did Before. with the other ones. Mm-hmm. I, he seems curt, cut to the chase. He's brusque, doesn't suffer fools gladly. Yeah. Impatient, probably asked to record the voice at the last minute while doing something else. Maybe, maybe the person they booked hadn't turned up. He might be the engineer in the studio, maybe just filling in. Think he probably rides uh, an e-scooter on the pavement. Doesn't care, um, and I think he's appeared in Guy Ritchie films and loves to tell people about it. But um, it is weird they're all female, apart from Gavin. This, I don't know. This one's very odd. I don't know about this one. This is another. <laughs> this is another new supermarket that's open round the corner from me called Familiar. <laughs> And this is just very upscale, very, really lovely food, delicious food. This is Fanula's. Hello, welcome to Fanula's. You look lovely today. Please (laughs) place your sack on my sensitive tray area. Thank you. Please swipe your barcode across my laser beam. Oh yes, that felt great. Thank you. Please place the items into the bag on my sensitive area. Oh yes, that felt great. (laughs) 
That was unexpected. Please take it out and put it back again. That's better. Thank you. Is that it? Have you finished? Please present your payment equipment to my electric box. Would you like me to shoot a receipt into your hand? Thank you for shopping at Fanula's. Hmm. <laughs> that just seems... Some of that seems a bit off, to be honest. Yeah, it does. I can't believe I was worrying about doing too many fart jokes in this podcast. <laughs> um, so what would you say your favourite automated checkout uh, person voice was? Sainsbury's, Co-op, Waitrose, Gavin's or Fanula's? Gavin's. Over here, Gavin again. Come on, scan some shit, I'm waiting. Oh, stick it on the metal thing on the right. On the metal thing on the right. There we go. Anyway, that's my present to you. That was a um, a review of automated checkouts in supermarkets. Happy Christmas. Thank you so much. It's exactly what I wanted. Mm. Twenty twenty one movie highlights, Jay Corn. Well, I can give you some that maybe you might not have heard of. You know, maybe some that haven't been quite so high profile. Yeah, I was very mainstream with my movies this year. Were you? Yeah. Mm. There's a movie called Riders of Justice with Mads Mikkelsen. I did very, see very that good. one. Did you like that one? <laughs> it was pretty crazy, wasn't it? I liked its craziness a lot tonally crazy like yeah. a revenge movie mixed in with a kind of moving parenting drama and uh, mm. dealt with depression and bereavement very unpredictable i thought yeah and that's quite unusual these days in storytelling and meaty as well the bit where he does the thing to the person yeah <laughs> i found really satisfying <laughs> in a probably not very healthy manner the other one that's really good, and this is pretty high profile, but was uh, Summer of Soul, the quest love sort oh. of rediscovery of the um, Black Woodstock that happened, um, I think, the year after Woodstock, uh, with Sly and the Family Stone and everybody playing in New York. I really want to see that. Where can you see it's that? It's on Disney+. Plus. It's very, very good. Ew. Very moving. By the way, did you get through the whole of the Beatles stock? I did, Yes. I really gobbled it up. You know I'm not a big Beatles fan. And as a joke, I used to say to people, oh, I'm saving the Beatles till I get older. Mm. I don't have any Beatles albums. I don't know very much about them at all. 
I think that documentary was my Beatles turning point in terms of getting into them, because that album's great, right? Well, I mean, no. I know Beatles fans don't <laughs> consider it to be no, great. They've, uh, they've got real sort of um, soul to them. Uh, the good ones, like Digger Pony is pretty amazing. Absolutely. Um, yeah. No, I mean, and, I say uh, no, I'm being glib. Obviously... No, I'd read that, though. I'd read people saying that, you know, it was their second worst album or something. Let it be. Yeah, it's still a good album, right? It's still got some good songs on it. I think the version without Phil Spector's strings and production is... Uh, I like it better. The That's one what that, I'm listening to, I yeah. assume. Let It Be Naked, I think they called it. Uh. And it was good. But yeah, being in... So did you get a kick out of being in that room or feeling as if you were in that room with those people, with Lennon and McCartney? Well, and weirdly, we were in the room. The day it came out, we were shooting on on stage one at Twickenham. Yeah. So we were actually on the stage where they are in the first episode. Of no that, way. Uh, show, yeah. It was really odd. Uh, I loved being in that Beatles documentary being immersed in it you love being in the beatles i felt as if i was in the beatles by the end of mm. it it was great wasn't it really sort of uh, addictive and on a wavelength that very few things are because of how minute it is and how it feels like real time so it was sort of like a weird art piece wasn't it and i really found myself um sort of addicted to it for the week it was on did you get that audio file that a listener called richard foster sent you I don't think I did. Here, listen to it. He's called Richard Foster, but he sent us an actual message from Peter Jackson, which is very exciting. Have a listen. Hi, Adam and Joe. Uh, this is Peter Jackson. Uh, <laughs> I made The Lord of the Rings and also that new one about the Beatles. Um, I, I just wanted to wish you both a, a very happy Christmas and um, and all the best, all the best for the new year. <laughs> My name's Peter Jackson. All right. Bye. I like the idea that Peter Jackson would sort of correct his own voice <laughs> in the middle of a sentence to make it more Peter you, Jackson-y and then remind himself who he was. Did you for a second think that was actually <laughs> Peter Jackson? No, but it's good. And it's even better than good because it sort of drifts in and out in a very pleasing way. Who sent that in? Somebody called Richard Foster. Thank you, Richard Foster. Thanks, Richard. <laughs> Peter Jackson. Quite good. <laughs> Not bad. I could picture Peter Jackson Jackson saying that, actually. Now, some of my entertainment highlights of the year were very mainstream. And I found myself enjoying Shang, Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings. Oh, I haven't seen that yet. Quite good. Liked it. Much more than a lot of other superhero films I've seen. Uh, I thought you didn't like things with people with powers. Uh, no, I don't. And when the powers start getting really used all over the shop, it gets more boring. But I liked the actors, and I liked the fact that I hadn't seen them in a million other things. And they just They'll they were very excited. They weren't irritating. Aquafina, even though I've seen Aquafina in other things, she's good, and she's got a nice, charming manner about her. She'll so be excited I... to hear that. They all listen to this, <laughs> and they'll be thrilled. They will be thrilled. Um, yes! I liked James Bond. No Time to Die, mm. even though a few friends of mine didn't like it at all. Oh, no. I'd been told it was so up itself and overblown. And <laughs> Did you like it? Yeah, I very much enjoyed it. I really liked it a lot more than I thought I was going to. That's a good song, though, isn't it? That's a good song that they play. Can you do an impression of Billie Eilish's singing style? No, but I bet you can. I think to do Billie Eilish, you've got to get very close on the mic. 
you gotta be really breathy. And then you got to talk kind of like a baby a little bit and sing like I should have known <laughs> there was going to be some shooting <laughs> and the car chases. Sounds like a very scared elf. Yeah, that's what she's mm. like. That I is- worry about. I worry about her as a massive pop icon for the generation because she seems very depressed. Nah, she's in a better place now. There's a <clears throat> documentary she? that shows her getting her stuff I hear together. That's very good. She's strong, man. I think she she's a strong man. Is and she? Is she on? Um, is she going to be on that Christmas strongman program <laughs> where they where they pull trucks along? Yeah, with her teeth. Oh, I love that. Uh, yeah, wait. I think I think she'll be all right. I hope she will. Anyway. Yeah, James Bond was good, wasn't it? I tell you, the bit that was good was the bit with the lady in the place with the dress and the kicking. Oh, yeah. You know, the one that's drunk. Yes. And, uh, yeah, she's really and good. And at the end... At the end of the sequence, James Bond says, you were great, as if he's just a man who's watching the film. Yeah. So that bit was really... He might as well have said, that bit was really good. Well done. Exactly. No, it worked well. And I bet you that was a Phoebe Waller-Bridge line, because she did some punch-up on that movie, didn't she? What, when he says, you were really good? Yes, I think, in fact, I might be wrong, but I think he said, you were excellent. Something like that, Yeah, yeah. And that sounded to me like a, a Phoebe Waller-Bridge bit. And I very much enjoyed Dune. <gasps> oh. Even though it made me go back and watch David Lynch's version <gasps> with my son. And I thought, hang on a second, David Lynch's version is much better than I remember it. Like, it's not good, and it's definitely boring and falls apart... But there's so much amazing stuff in it. Yeah, and it's got one thing that not only does the new Dune not have, but couldn't get close to, and that's Sting. Stung. Mm. In a little ribbed, moulded codpiece. <laughs> Shaved. Yeah. Orange and sweaty, with spiky hair. Spiky hair and a great crazy stare. But all the art direction and the costumes and... All the set design, like it's all these sci-fi interiors. Mm, well, it would be. Rendered in, in oh. wood. But you know what yes. I mean? Like yes. it's all oldie-worldy wood in the David Lynch version. Mm. And it looks great. It's a, almost like a kind of alpine chalet or something, except a yeah. sci-fi version thereof. Thank you. Thanks a lot, man. You're welcome. One of the things I like about the dune universe is the idea of using the voice yes the special voice that the bene gesserit you see that's powers i think you love powers listen don't get too hung up i was just trying to be well you say you've told me you're not going to watch my series i know i was trying to be negative about it well, you succeeded and i'm just trying to point out <laughs> that you've told me two things that involve powers that um you really liked in fact they're your pick of the year i just don't like powers when you use them <laughs> Fair enough. I like understated powers. I just don't I agree, like. I agree completely. I was saying this to Netflix the other day. Yeah. You know, if you've got a character that can do absolutely anything, then where's the stakes? I agree. I agree. Well, that's that's the Batman uh, conundrum, you know. Yeah. Because Batman, if Batman can get anything out of his belt, then it renders the whole thing undramatic. Totally. And that's the difference between Camp Bat- Batman and Dark Batman, right? You've got to know what, what's in his belt so you can anticipate. What's in Camp Batman's belt? Anything he wants. 
literally anything to get him out of the hole he's in. But in Nolan Batman, Dark Batman, you have a scene with uh, Michael Caine telling you exactly what's in the bat belt. Right. It's not strictly true, but you, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I like that scene in the... That's going to be the title of my autobiography. It's not strictly true, but you know what I mean. Okay, that's a good title. Mm, thanks. <laughs> the thing in Dune with the voice, though, I think they did it very well in the new one. And there's a scene right at the beginning of the movie, in fact, where they where they do it. I'll play you the clip. So this is Paul Atreides, played by Timothy Chalamet. Beautiful Timothy Chalamet with his face. He's very fragile. And um, his mum, played by Rebecca Ferguson, your friend, who was in... Mm kid who would be king and she is excellent in the movie i think she's the best thing in the movie and i'm not just saying that because i've worked with her yeah but she's really good anyway this is the scene towards the beginning where she is challenging him at the breakfast table her son to use this special voice that um her order of the bene Gesserit women they're kind of like witchy women with special powers can learn how to use in order to make people do their bidding. Why do we have to go through all this when it's already been decided? Ceremony? Mm. Thank you. If you want it, make me give it to you. Use the voice. Give me the water. The glass can't hear you. Come on, me. Give me Laura, Laura, lully glass of water in me. A blind date, a lully beefy chook. Almost. <laughs> Give me Laura, lully glass of water. Bene Gesserit skills take years to learn, Paul. Okay, how about a lully beef then? More dreams? No, Laura, lully beef. <laughs> He's using the voice of the Queen. Yes. The most powerful voice in the universe that can compel you to do anything. <laughs> That's why she exactly. never uses it. She uses it in the palace to get the dogs to behave. Well, she does, but there are all sorts of times, politically and socially, when you wished the Queen would intervene and say something strongly, but she can't because of the power, but because it's just like a, a like a like an in an unassailable force. Yeah, she's probably got like a little bolt on her neck, a little bit like R two D two. Yeah, a restraining bolt. A little bit like R2-D2. <laughs> exactly like R2-D2. <laughs> so that she can't... Because otherwise, she'd be going off to Downing Street the whole time and just telling Boris what to do, right? Don't prorogue me. Oh, Laura, Laura. It was a good movie, wasn't it? It was exciting. The bit when they're in the Thanth dorm. Yeah, that was at good. At the end, when it turns into a chase sequence, that was really exciting. I liked it. And finally, I watched Black Widow with uh, Scarlett Johansson. Mm, I haven't seen that one either. Well, look, I'm going to give you the gift of an advanced taste of one of the uh, main characters in there. In fact, I think he's, I guess, the main baddie. And he's played by Ray Winstones. Now, of course, you and I are big fans of Ray Winstones and his acting and accents. Hmm. Uh, because what was the film like? Fool's Gold. Fool's Gold you used to play clips of on the yeah. radio show back in the day. And what was his accent in that? Well, he's American, but yeah. not always. <laughs> well, in this one, in Black Widow, he is, I think, Russian, but not always. Mm. And he starts off in the very first scene. <laughs> well, this is my theory. 
his first scene in the movie is the first scene they shot with him and they hadn't done any rehearsal at all and he is figuring out where he's going to go with the accent in his first line so this is a scene in which the big baddie played by ray winston is uh saying hello to rachel vice's character or at least we think it's rachel vice and he says this to her my god look at you (laughs) so uh how was the family reunion so you've got everything in there he starts (laughs) off quite posh my god look at you my god look at you (laughs) and then he skids from somewhere around new york to somewhere a bit more russian so uh how was the family reunion how was the family reunion reunion my my god how was the family reunion you can't possibly do it no there's no way not very few actors can do that within one Mm. line but ray winstone's can he's extraordinary then i think he decides later on in the scene let's stay russian more or less what about romanov she's a traitor she turned her back on her people now i don't know exactly what he's doing there but he is saying people. <laughs> she turned her back on her people. People. <laughs> you don't turn your back on someone's people. She turned her back on her people. <laughs> he does say people. People. I mean, young children are very proud of their uh, pee and poo. There's, isn't there a whole sort of um, school of psychoanalysis that's to do with how possessive you are about your first turds? Because they're the first things you create. There you go. So is that what the film's about? Is that what happens in the pre-credits scene? <laughs> Black Widow is a young child and someone turning their back on her pe- people? People. <laughs> I can't wait to see this film. This... It sounds very, very good. She turned her back on her people. She turned her back on her people. Yeah, she is a sign of strength. And then this is a line that resonates in a way with... Um, feminism i think i do finally come out of the shadows using the only natural resource that uh, the world has too much of girls girls girls, girls. <laughs> wow he goes me. quite nasally at the beginning of that doesn't he can we hear that again using the only natural resource that uh, <laughs> the world has too much of girls Wow. The score's working hard there, isn't it? After he says girls the first time, there's a moment of music that makes you... It's kind of like the girls theme. You can sing along with it if you want. Can you? Hmm. Girls. 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 It's so sad. Yeah, wow. Strong stuff. Girls. It feels powerful. It sounds like a powerful film. I mean, there's a lot of uh, drumming, a lot of big, heavy, heavy drumming going on there. Pummeling big kettle drums. Exactly. And that's that's what you know things are important when they get the kettle drums out. (laughs) We had some kettle drums uh, in uh, the score for a film I did, and we we got those guys. 
um, people said, oh, okay, these are the best drummers in the movie business. They do all the drumming for, you know, the Batman films, Hans Zimmer, Marvel. I thought uh, we were recording in Abbey Road. I thought these muscle men were going to come in, stripped to the waist, you know, yeah. uh, sweaty. They, they weren't. Like big Samoan guys or something. No, they were like just normal, dare I say, slightly nerdy British men. Hmm. Pale with glasses. But then they went... I thought, wow, you can just hire them to make yourself sound impactful. <laughs> you should get them on the podcast, man. Do a jingle with them. All right, I'll do a drum sting. All I can see is an Atreides that I want to kill. Time now for... And I'll tell you what, I'm going to play the made-up jokes jingle. So, assume you've just heard the made-up jokes jingle. I'm a funny person. I often make up jokes. My jokes are more amusing than those of other folks. When you hear my joke, I think you'll find that you agree. Come on, you're all invited to a made-up joke party. Good to hear that jingle again, isn't it? Oh, it's great. Mm. <laughs> no, but you listeners, you should know that Adam just sung it to me. Because he didn't have the technical... Uh, well, you weren't ready to play it to me through the Zoom. So I no. just heard a sort of semi-committed, <laughs> slightly depressed, <laughs> slower version of it. <laughs> sung from memory. <laughs> I usually put that version in. <laughs> lacrimose yes right i'm just jumping straight in here with this first made-up joke and i'm a sort of assuming every i'm a sort of assuming everyone understands that the jokes made up jokes Russian? uh yes these are made-up jokes the listeners have assured us i haven't actually cross-checked all of these jokes but they have assured us that they made them up themselves hey adballs and jay canal mm. question why did the Iberian Peninsula actually welcome the invasion of 7th century Berbers? That's a good tortured setup. I don't know. Hey, why did the Iberian Peninsula actually <laughs> welcome the invasion of 7th century Berbers? Because they were so Moorish. Nice. That's a good, that's an academic joke. Yeah. Has it been made before by an academic? Possibly, it but not with that tortured setup, no. No, that's perfect. That's a perfect made-up joke. Best and happy Christmas, Jonathan Mailman. Hmm. Oh, he's called Jonathan. And he's a mailman. Good joke, Jonathan. How about this one? This is quite clever as well. This is from Will Jenkins. Hmm. Dear Buckles and Cornball, just the single ball for you. My <laughs> ten-year-old daughter Florence claims she made this joke up, so he's shifting the blame onto ten-year-old Florence already. It sounds too good, but I've never heard it before, and I just tried Googling it, and it's not on the internet, so I guess that proves it. Anyway, here it is. Question. How does a giant heat its food? How does a giant heat its food? Answer. In a macrowave. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. A macrowave for a giant. That's good, that's good. Says Will. Yes. Love to you both. Bye. How about this one? I think this is your level. It's from Alex in West Sussex, age 36. Dearest Dr. B and Cornballs, question... What is the rudest texture? Answer. Bumpiness. <laughs> Brackets. Bumpiness. <laughs> Sorry. 
I've needed to get that off my chest for years. I can now move forward, I hope. Lots of festive joy to you both, Alex West Sussex. Age 36. Bumpiness. 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 That's a good one. That's a good one. Because you can say it normally. You don't have to... You don't have to really lean on the naughtiness of the yeah, words. it's like saying the planet Uranus or... Um, well, you're supposed hope. to say Uranus. Yeah, but I say Uranus. Yeah, I know you do. <laughs> but bumpiness, there's only one way of saying that, and it works yeah. both ways. Yeah, yeah. Bumpiness. Bumpiness. Makes me blush. Bumpiness. I'm saying bumpiness. You love that joke. I do. Here's one from David Black. Why do German hairdressers always win radio phone-in quizzes? Brackets, said in aggressive German accent. Close Uh-oh. brackets. Because we dial so soon. Because we dial so soon. Because oh. because we dial so soon. Because we dial so soon. Because we dial so soon. <laughs> That's quite good, isn't it? That is good. I read that one and I didn't understand it. No, it's a little it's a little sophisticated for you. Yes. I said it three times though in three different ways to really it. nail it, ram it home. Bumpiness. Shove it shove it home. Bumpiness. You say it. Bumpiness. No, we dial so soon. Because we dial so soon. Because we dial so soon. <laughs> because we dial so soon. That's good. Is that racist? I don't know. Another one from Andy Bucken. I have a made up joke for you. Brighton isn't known for its bread, but Hove is. Hove is next to Brighton and Hovis is a brand of bread. If he genuinely made that up, that's really, really good, isn't it? Oh, it's very good. Brighton isn't known for its bread, but Hove is. But Hove is. Hove is. Ah, that's good, isn't it? So, uh, how's Rosie, the dog? Rosie is extremely well, thank you very much for asking. Probably she's in the kitchen, on the sofa, multitasking, doing a selection of toxic parts, lovingly licking her private parts. Happy to go with the lateral flow, she's pro-vaccine, anti-masking. She would like a scratch-scratch, some chicken or a chew. Then she will find a random room and do a secret boo. Thanks for letting me know. Does she really do that? Does she find a random room and do a secret poo? Yes. All the time. All the time. On the carpet? Yes. What do you do? How do you clean? Have you got little sort of weird past poo patches all over the carpet? Not poo. Actually, the poo is the least of it. It's the wee that is disastrous for the carpet. Isn't she house-trained? Evidently not. I think she does it as a protest. If she's not taken out for a walk when she wants a walk, then she'll do a wee-wee in a, in a room. And there are rooms, I think pretty much every room in the house now has some lurid yellow patches <laughs> on the carpet. And it's special toxic stuff that you cannot scrub out. Why don't you get a out. dog flap? Dog flap. She's not, a, she's not a huge dog, is she? She could, she no. could squeeze through a little dog flap. Yeah, we don't really want her coming and going that easily. 
Yeah, she could get into trouble. She could. The other day, you know, on bonfire night, mm. she got upset by the... This is the theory, right? Because towards the end of bonfire night, we were not at any displays or anything. We were all at home as a family. Suddenly, we get a phone call around about seven or eight o'clock or something after there's been a display of fireworks quite close by, actually. And it's finished. And the phone rings and my wife, my wife, takes the call. And she goes, oh, my God. Oh, thank you very much. <gasps> and then she's, she hangs up and she goes, Rosie's just been found on the road about a mile away. She's fine. She hasn't been hit by a car, mercifully. Someone just found her wandering around oh, and no. opened the door and said, get in, little doggy. And Rosie obligingly jumped in. Luckily, it was a nice person. And they took her to the nearest vet. And thanks to the wonders of modern technology, the vet was able to establish who Rosie was. Thanks to the... She's got a chip. Yeah. And... Um, it's the law now. Yeah. Very soon. And they gave us a call... And I went and collected her immediately. But the thought of her out there, how had she got out? We didn't know. What was she doing? She's never done anything like that before. Like she runs off when we're on a walk occasionally, but she always comes back. My wife's theory was that she'd just been upset by the firework noises and sort of ran off in a confused tiz and ended up on the road. Oh, God. That's the end of that story. It's a terrible story. Well, listen, our cat follows us down the street when we go out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And she's got a cat flap. He, he has I got apologize. a cat flap. Follows us down the street. When the, we pull up in the car, he comes running up the pavement, sits next to the car door. When okay. I go over to the road to see my parents, he trots after me. Won't come in, though. Yeah. Uh, he's all right. He's but independent. Never, never found him a mile away. Poor Rosie. Keep her in the house. Yeah, Can't well, we give do. her a, a dog litter tray? <sighs> That's a good idea, but I think at this point, she's never going to learn, is she? She's no, you, nine no you train her. You can. I'd get her to do that. Listen, I don't know if you've ever heard the expression, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, but I think it's true. How old is Rosie? She's nine or something like that. How old is that in dog years? I think it's middle-aged, I'm hoping. Yeah. Oh, dear. Listen, do you want a Christmas present? <laughs> How's that for a segue? It's <laughs> a good way of wrapping up a traumatic story. I just think, no, it's good. But it's Christmas. You don't, we don't want to hear depressing do dog stories. Well, it's not depressing anyway. She was fine, thanks to the kindness of ordinary people. Well, in that case, it's like a Sainsbury's ad. It's uplifting. Yeah. How would you turn that story into a Christmas advert? That's how would a good you, idea. Uh, how would you thread a product into it? Maybe just the make of the car. Yeah, the car, exactly. And she snuggles down onto the mm. seat. Her little winsome eyes looking through the windows. Yeah. And the, the car has a special wipe-down surface for when Rosie does a plop on the seat. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a good idea. And then you've got um, maybe Olivia Rodrigo does a, a song in the same sort of Billie Eilish style. We're singing like that about the new car. So nice, I go. I can wipe down the seat of a car. It's a really nice car. Like that. I bet that'll sell a lot of cars. <laughs> a lot, a lot of cars going to be sold. A lot, a lot of cars. Um, okay. Hello. 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 <laughs> 
Hello. 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 So listen, it's a big year for you uh, this year, and it's a big Christmas because you've got a big role in the forthcoming Sing 2, right? Yes, I do. I saw I saw the movie the other day. I bet it's great. Is it great? Loved it. Loved it. So that's exciting. It's a big role. You're in the trailer and stuff, right? Yeah. I play a fascistic uh, monkey dance instructor. Of course. Yeah. You don't need to state the obvious why, don't you? A what? <laughs> A fascistic monkey monkey instructor. Monkey dance instructor. Yeah. So, listen, I don't... Cause, so you're a, a very experienced actor, and I don't want to teach my granny to suck eggs or anything, but while I was doing my Netflix thing, I came across uh, a book that apparently lots of actors use that I'd never heard of before, and it's, it's an acting technique that I'd never heard of before. This is for reals, okay? Wow. And I thought I might share it with you. Mm. And it's called... The book is called Actions. The actor's... Now, here's a word I always say wrong. Thesaurus. Thesaurus. Do you say it like the dinosaur? Theosaurus. No, not Theosaurus. A Theosaurus Rex. Say it. Thesaurus. Thesaurus. Isn't that what I said? No. Anyway, let's just call the book Actions. Um, And it's very good. Can I read you the foreword? Please. I once met Sinead Cusack at a Christmas party. The previous year, she'd been offered a job by Max Stafford Clark. She'd heard about the way he works... Brackets, Max requires his actors to action each line of text and to annotate their scripts, sitting around a table for two to three weeks of rehearsal to achieve this. Sinead told him, I'd love to work with you, but I know how you work and I I have to say up front, I can't do it and I won't do it. Max replied, try it for a week. No, I really want you to play this part. Give me four days. No, three days. Absolutely not. Give me two days. And if you're not happy... We'll do it your way. A big gesture from the Immaculate Max. So finally, consigning the first two days of rehearsal to what she imagined would be a complete waste of her time, Sinead agreed to do the job. She told me, I did it his way for two days, then three days, then a week. Two weeks later, we were still at it. She took a sip of mulled wine, tasting the memory. Then, in her gorgeous liquid brogue, said, How did I ever act before that? Wow, that is a... So that's real. That's strong stuff, isn't it? Strong beginning. Who's writing this? That is the foreword to the book, Actions, and that is written by Terry Johnson, the author of the book. Good one. So it's a good sell, isn't it? Yes. This is obviously a strong technique. Yes, please. I'd love to know a little bit about it. I could certainly use some tips. So what this book basically is, is just a whole book of, um, of actions, of action words, right? Abolish, abuse, disentangle dishearten, irritate, quicken, spoil. So this technique is to go through the text of the play or the whatever you're working on and ascribe each line one of these actions so you know what the intention of your performance is, right? Mm-hmm. So I've sent you a paragraph of dialogue from mm-hmm. a new West End play, uh, which is called Eggs. And... <laughs> 
Pick a letter of the alphabet, first of all. G. G, okay. Pick a number between 1 and 20. 17. Okay, it's gratify. All right, so I'd now like you to read that uh, paragraph of text. Now, actually, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. There's 10 different versions of gratify. Pick a number between 1 and 10. Um, 6. Humour. So you're humouring someone when you say this dialogue. Okay. Go. For goodness sake and damn it, Roger, you fool. The manner in which you've been cooking these eggs is utterly wrong-headed. How many times do I have to be telling you the correct way that it is to cook these eggs? Twice? 19,000 times? Well, for once and for all, I will finally tell it to you, so you bloody well better go ahead. <laughs> I, think the, I think the dialogue is too tricky. It is very difficult to say. <laughs> I should have said this. <laughs> Who, I mean, this is great dialogue. Who wrote this? Patrick Marber. <laughs> Did Patrick Marber write eggs? Yes. It's too long. I should have sent you a shorter bit of text. Pick another letter of the alphabet. All right. A. A. A good letter. Number between 1 and 20? 7. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, accelerate. So you're trying to make someone get on with something. Right, okay. And action. For goodness sake and damn it, Roger, you fool, the manner in which you have been cooking these eggs is utterly wrong-headed. How many times do I have to be telling you the correct way that it is to cook these eggs? Twice? 19,000 times? Well, for once and for all, I will finally tell it to you, so you'd bloody well better go ahead and be listening real good and proper this time. Fried, not scrambled, not boiled, not poached, and most certainly not deviled. Fried, damn you! That was good. I really felt like you were trying to accelerate the frying of the eggs, speeding them up. Yeah, I was trying to. Let's go to the other end of the alphabet. Persuade. Hmm. Can you be more persuasive this time? Okay. Okay, and action. <sighs> Hang on, I'm going to throw something else in. Oh, Jesus. French. Okay. <clears throat> I'm going to throw something else in. Oh, man, that's three things. <laughs> <laughs> um, very cold. Phys physically cold. Cold, persuasive and French. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Come on. And action. For goodness sake and damn it, Roger, you fool. The manner in which you have been cooking these eggs is utterly wrong, Edith. How many times do I have to be telling you the correct way that it is to cook these eggs? Twice. I can't hear the cold. I can't hear the coldness. Cold. Twice. 19,000 times? Well, for once and for all, I will finally tell you. So you bloody well better go ahead and be listening real good and proper this time. Fried, not scrambled, not boiled, not poached, and most certainly not deviled. Fried, damn you, so cold. That was really very, very good. Mm. I mean, it's a good technique, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, there's thousands of these words. Yeah. And they transformed Sinead Cusack's uh, acting. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to try one more? Sure. I think everybody wants to hear that speech again. <laughs> Should we not bother? <laughs> I don't know. It just feels... It just feels... I don't know. I'm looking at these words and <laughs> thinking about that speech and just... <laughs> I don't know whether we should bother. 
as like a Christmas present to both of us. What, not bothering? Yeah. Hmm. I've never heard someone say, for goodness sake and damn it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know Marber, man. He plays with language. He does. Well, can I make a confession? For goodness sake and damn it. What? I wrote that. N- you wrote the egg speech? <laughs> yes, it's not Patrick Marber. Not Patrick Marber? <laughs> no. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's changed things, hasn't it? Well, yes and no. No. <laughs> All right, I've got one more gift for you, Jay Corn, before Ooh. we say goodbye. And this is a Christmassy gift. Uh, I don't know if you know what the UK's number one is currently. Oh, crikey, I don't. It is Elton John and Ed Sheeran. Yes. And it's a song called Merry Christmas. Have you heard that? You know, I haven't. I've seen it on my YouTube front page, but you know I haven't clicked on it. Hmm. Well, I've got it for you for for Christmas because I thought that you'd enjoy it. Uh, Here it is. So kiss me under the mistletoe. Pour out the wine. Let's toast and pray for December snow. I know there's been pain this year, but it's time to let it go. Next year you'll never know. But for now, Merry Christmas. Dad's eating quiche with the lambs go. A beef of no love. Gosh, well, no wonder that's number one. It's terrific. Yeah, it's nice, isn't it? They've both got quite eccentric um, singing styles, haven't they? Yeah, they do. They've both got very distinctive voices and uh, deliveries. Quite hard to hear the the lyrics. When Elton's singing, you mean? When both of them are singing, I mean. Mm. (laughs) Hmm. I mean... They say that in order to become a big pop star, you've got to have a very distinctive voice. You've got to be able to hear a second on the radio and go, oh, that's definitely Elton, or that's definitely Ed. And that is true of those... Judging on what I've just heard, it's true of those singers. Mm -hmm. And that's at number one now. Yes. (laughs) Anyway, there you go. But listen, thanks so much for all your wonderful gifts. Well, thank you for all your wonderful gifts. (laughs) And have a very, very Merry Christmas. Thanks so much, man. Same to you. Lots of love to you and your daughter and partner and your wonderful mum and dad and everyone you know. Uh, Straight back at you. Thanks a lot, man. Um, And happy Christmas, listeners. This is an advert for Squarespace. Every time I visit your website, I see success. 
Yes, success. The way that you look at the world makes the world want to say yes. It looks very professional. I love browsing your videos and pics, and I don't want to stop. And I'd like to access your members area and spend in your shop. These are the kinds of comments people will say about your website if you build it with Squarespace. Just visit squarespace.com slash Buxton for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, because you will want to launch, use the offer code BUXTON to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So put the smile of success on your face with Squarespace. Yes. Wait. Continue. You were excellent. Hey, Rosie. Why are you looking at me? Rosie just gave me a very soulful look. Oh, Rosie, I love you so much. It's crazy. Just having a romantic moment with Rosie there. Hey, welcome back, Festive Podcats. Joe Cornish there, of course. Very grateful indeed to Joe for his time, for his thoughtful and uplifting audio gifts and for his continued friendship. I, of course, will be watching Lockwood & Co. when it turns up on Netflix, though I reserve the right to grumble if excessive special powers are employed. Me and the family watched Summer of Soul after Joe mentioned it a couple of nights ago. Some amazing footage in there, great performances from... B.B. King, David Ruffin, Nina Simone, The Fifth Dimension, The Staple Singers. It's good. Recommend it. All in the context of the story of this cultural festival that took place over several weekends in Harlem, New York. And, uh, you know, the documentary goes into what was happening at the time in the US and it's really good. Questlove of the Roots was responsible for putting it together. So anyway, that's good. Seek that out. Thanks very much indeed to everyone who has helped me make this podcast this year. Most especially Seamus Murphy Mitchell. Thanks for your work on this episode. To Seamus, really appreciate all your help and support. Thanks to Matt Lamont. Becca Tashinsky, Emma Corsham, Annika Meissen for their edit help this year. Thanks to Helen Green, she does the artwork for the podcast. Thanks to Gear for Music, fantastic online music store, brilliantly fast and efficient delivery and service. Can't recommend them highly enough. They also help me out by supplying some of my guests with microphones now and then. Thanks to everyone who works at ACAST. Thanks to everyone who I recorded with this year. Thanks to my son, Natty, who did the keyboard parts for my Lil' Cold song. Much appreciated. You did a great job, but I'm afraid the answer is still no. Re, your request to have 50 people round on New Year's Eve. I think that's more or less everyone. But thanks, most especially of all, to you, 
podcasts for listening, for all those messages you sent in and other messages and letters that you sent me throughout the year. Always really kind and uh, uplifting and encouraging. So thank you. Drizzly Christmas hug. Come on. Until next time we meet, probably around April 2022. Take good care out there. And, you know, for what it's worth, I love you. Bye!